Um, I've been fascinated as of late. Um, me and my dad have had some great conversations, and I always like to bring it back to this because there's just some things I've been fascinated about, some fascinating topics um, that we've just talked about. And one of them is I'm fascinated by the saying, that, that saying that we all know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. We're all familiar with that. We've got some teachers in the, in the house tonight. We've got some students in the house who are like, I'm still waiting for my teacher to appear. No, I'm just kidding. I'm fascinated by that saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I'm fascinated by another saying, kind of similar, you're missing the forest for the trees. You're missing the forest for the trees. You're missing the trees for the forest, right? I'm fascinated by sometimes my inability to see what's right in front of my face. <laughs> Are you guys like me? I once walked into Lance and Sarah's house, probably like a year after they got the house, and I walked in and I was like, oh, you guys put a ceiling fan in the living room. And they're like, nope, had that the whole time, Graham. <laughs> what? How did I not see the ceiling fan in your living room? You've been here for over a year. I've been in your house many times. And I literally never noticed the ceiling fan. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated that I can read scripture and be in a book that I'm very familiar with. And just all of a sudden you're like, where, where was this verse? Like, where was this verse in high school? That's, that's usually what my mind goes to. I needed that verse in high school. Where was that? I never noticed this verse. I'm fascinated that you read through the Gospels and the Pharisees who interacted with Jesus, who saw him do miracle after miracle, who asked him questions, who debated Jesus and got wrecked, could not see who they were in fact talking to. They loved the law. They loved Moses. They loved the prophets. They loved the Old Testament. They were so familiar with it. Way more familiar than I will ever be with it. I'm sure they could quote things night and day, and yet they couldn't see what was right in front of them, the fulfillment of those scriptures in physical form. Why, why couldn't they see it? It's kind of fascinating, huh? I'm fascinated by all these because they all have to do with seeing, right? And we all know that sometimes we just don't see what's right in front of us. Sometimes we just miss stuff. Something just escapes us. Maybe you didn't even notice the letters on the wall this morning, right? It's like we're here, we're seeing stuff, but we're not, we're not really taking it in. I'm fascinated by this. And I'm fascinated for a huge part of the reason why, and kind of the purpose of this sermon is, is my desire that we all continue to see the Lord, but also we live in a world where a lot of people can't see the Lord. They can't see that He's real. They can't believe it. They just don't see it. And I, just, I just don't see it. And so I'm like, how, what can I do? How can I help them to see? What can, what, what's standing in the way? Why do, why do some people, and I'm sure we talked to some of you, and you're like, golly, it was just so easy. Like, oh my gosh, bam, this moment, this day, this hour, it was so clear. Oh my gosh, Grant, your last two sermons on historical defense, don't need them. You know, I don't need a historical defense. I know God is real, right? And yet, others... And even myself at different times, it was just so hard to see. It was so unclear, so vague, and so unsure. And, I, and this just caused me, you know, like I said, me and my dad have tons of discussions about this, and I'm just super fascinated by this thing. 
because I want us all to see. And when I say see, I mean believe, right? Believe, to know, to see that God is real, to know that he is real, to believe. Not, not like, oh, God's here in physical form and you just need to like widen your gaze like one of those pictures and then you'll finally see him. I'm not saying that. I'm saying to see, to know, to believe that he is real, that he is alive today here on Easter Sunday. That has been kind of the impetus behind the sermon, my thought processes. I am going to scratch the surface of the top of the iceberg on this. There is a lot to this. Um, it could get real philosophical and real psychological real fast. We're not going to do that. It's Easter. We're going to take it light, all right? Um, but there's more to this, and I think it will come back around. But my encouragement and my purpose behind this is that we may all see and know because as we believe, where two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, here he is in our midst. He's here. And we want to know that and believe that. And that should change a lot of things. And I want us, hopefully one day we can all say, I know that I know that I know. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he is real. And I believe his word. All right? So, real quick, we're going to go through a number of different things that I think are important in helping us see helping us to know. Some of these are obstacles that we really need to remove. Some of these are things we really need to put into action in our lives. Um, but all of it is for the purpose of, of believing, of seeing God as he is real. Amen? So, if you're going to belief and you're going to how to believe, there's no better place than the Gospel of John. Literally, the purpose of John as he lays out so beautifully perfect and clear in chapter 20 of his gospel, is, I wrote this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. It's great. So, if you're ever struggling with doubt, ever struggling with seeing God, ever struggling with believing, the gospel of John is just written for you, to you, for that purpose. All right. So we're going to have a lot of different passages. Um, I did not mark them, so I will be finding them like you. So if you want to follow along, you will have time though I was really good in Bible drill, and I will find them quickly. So, you better be on your game, all right? Better be on your game. All right, the first passage, John chapter 7, verse 17. We're going to read a couple passages. I'm going to talk about it. We're going to go through five things, all right? John chapter 7, verse 17. I hear some pages turning, so I'll give you, I'll give you a couple seconds. I told you. John chapter 7, Gospel of John chapter 7, verse 17. And we obviously have all of them up on the board. It says this, Jesus is saying this, Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Simple passage. Simple passage. Let's go to John chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. And you might want to write some of these passages down because... We're going to be scurrying through them, and you might want to come back and reference them. That first one was John 7, 17. This one is 14, John 14, 21 through 23. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. I know there's two Judases. Whew. Can you imagine being the other Judas? Whew. 
Just saying, right? Then Judas, Judas, not Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Your first point, the first thing into seeing, the first step into really seeing, to know, to believe that God is who He says He is, to believe He is real, is obey God's teaching. As that first verse says, you will know when you start obeying, you will know whether or not this teaching comes from God. And the second verse, when you obey, you show that you love God, and those who love God, God will show Himself to you. Alright? There is tremendous wisdom in God's teaching. Um, if I'm honest, this was a big thing for me in coming to real faith in God. It was a big thing. Because I could look at God's Word, and I could read it, and as a freshman in high school, I was reading Romans chapter 7, and it pulled the, the words right out of my heart, right out of my soul. I was a kid, I was in high school, right? You're kind of more aware, uh, you're more aware of things in the world, you have a little bit more um, conscious awareness of your freedom of choice and to do right and to do wrong. Um, and Romans 7 is all like, I can't stop doing wrong. I want to do good, but I can't seem to do the good I want to do, and I keep doing the bad I don't want to do. That's Romans 7. I read that as a freshman in high school, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is me. That is there. That's why I'm always like, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, because I have such a connection with the Word, because it's constantly pulling things out of my heart. It's constantly bringing to light what I couldn't necessarily put into words, but it brings it to light. And as I followed His Word, as I understood the commands, what I was supposed to do, how I was to live, how I was not to live, I saw tremendous wisdom in it. I know where I have gone astray with sin. And I see very clearly, yeah, that's wrong. Because boy, did that tie me up. And boy, did that ensnare me. And boy, did I get to a place with certain things where I couldn't stop. It wasn't a matter of, oh, I want to stop or I don't want to stop. I couldn't stop. I became a slave. And that's what sin, and I didn't include that passage in this, but John talks about that. You, you, when you sin, you are playing with fire. You are becoming a slave to that. Have we not all agreed? Can we not all agree? Have we not experienced that slavery to certain things? And God's Word is so clear. It's so beautiful. It's so nice. He's like, hey, these are the things that will ensnare you. These are the things that will steal, kill, and destroy in your life, through you, and other people's lives. Don't do it. And boy, where I have not experienced that firsthand, have I seen that in loved ones and friends. And I've seen it. God, man, there is wisdom in God's teaching. And I think as you practice it, and as you walk in freedom in it, you see, oh, there's something to this. There's something to this. There's something to this, this lifestyle. It's not just arbitrary commands. God was not like, all right, let me uh, see how I can make my constituents prove their loyalty to me. I'm going to take away this. I'm going to say they can't do that. I'm going to say they have to do these things, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, whoever does a bang-up job, well, you get to spend eternity with me and the rest of you, you know, sorry. No, that's not it. Jesus knowing exactly the creator of us, us humans, his infinite wisdom, right, and his infinite knowledge of what sin would do to us, 
says, here, here you go. Don't practice these things. It is just going to be terrible for you. Practice these things. It will be good. And I promise you, as you go through that and as you grow in that, and yes, there are times where it feels very duty-bound and you're like, there's no joy in this, right? And you'll go through different processes and it's tough and you're struggling through those things. I promise you, as you keep following God in His teaching, boy, you will see the wisdom of it. You will see the truth. You will see, boy, this is from God. There is something here that really knows very well about who I am as a human being and knows what is good for this body, this soul, this mind, this heart that I am, and what is very much not good. That's your first point. It was a good starting point for me. I could be different than a lot of you, but I think that really helped me to see, man, God's on to something. This is real. This is good. This is good stuff. Second thing, John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replies, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I'm going to give you a second passage. It's not going to be up here. But it's John chapter 6, verse 65. Jesus again says this, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. This is an interesting passage here. This gave me a lot of... Think about this one, right? Because it would be easy to be like, okay, all right, well, God obviously has to do something in our hearts to be able to see, you know, in order to believe, right? And so to me, I'm like, okay, well, it's just God. So I just need to pray, 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 pray. Not all wrong. But I do think, and we find this, so the Enlightenment, modernity, right, the scientific method, right, really comes into full force, um, this movement in, in history. What they did was they separated the natural and the supernatural, all right? Before then, they were pretty intertwined together, but after that, it was like, here's the natural, here's the supernatural. And how that really got pushed into Christianity was, here's what God does, and here's what we do. And they're mutually exclusive from each other. Do you guys buy that? No. No, no, no. I think they're much more intertwined than we sometimes think. I think they're much more intertwined. So you read these passages that God has to enable you. God has to birth you again in order for you to see. It could easily be like, okay, well, I just got to sit back and God's got to do something to me and I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I don't think that's the case. I think these things are much more intertwined. I think God works in us. God works through our actions. God works through our seeking and enables you and births you again through your doing. All right? So your point is allow God to enable you to believe by following Him. It's kind of like Do you just wait around until you have perfect motives, perfectly pure motives to give, tithe? Well, if I did that, then I probably wouldn't tithe very much. (laughs) I mean, I wish I had perfect motives. I really do. And there's some times where I'm like, hey, man, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Sign that check. You know? And other times I'm like, golly, I could use that to buy a couple things that I really want. 
you know, but, but I'm going to do it because I love God. You know, I love God, and this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to do it, but I wish I was perfectly motivated. Do you wait around for perfect motives? Do you wait around for, for you to have this perfect heart thing? Or do you act, and you continue to act, and you continue to work on your motives while acting, and you eventually make progress in having more selfless motives, right? Do you just love somebody when you feel like loving them, when you have the perfect motives to love them? I hope not, <laughs> right? Sometimes you gotta, you got to keep going, right? you got to love them when you're like, man, I do not feel like this at all, but I'm going to keep going with it. I'm going to keep trying, right? I'm going to keep working on it. Same thing with, with believing. Again, God is going to work in you. God has to rebirth you. Right? God has to enable you in order to see, but I don't want you to think that you just have to sit down and not do anything. No, I think you follow Him. You keep stepping out and following Him. You keep obeying. You keep seeking to know Him. You keep reading His Word. You keep asking questions. You keep praying. You keep seeking. You keep asking. You keep coming to church. You keep going to small group. Right? You keep loving people. You keep staying in community. And through that, through following the Lord, Boy, I think He does. He does rebirth you. He does enable you to see and to know Him and to believe. Does that make sense? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're like, Grant, I think you're a little heretical. Thank you. <laughs> you have to have a willingness. And that's another big point of this. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right? I think this one hits home on this point. When you're ready, when you're willing, when you're ready to know, I am ready to believe. I am ready to believe and to follow and to figure this thing out. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. I think when you're ready, when you're like, I'm done with this old life, I'm going and I'm going full throttle, right? I am leaving that life behind. I am walking in newness. I'm not looking back. I'm seeking to know and nothing's going to stop me. The teacher will appear. The good teacher, the best teacher, the capital T teacher, Jesus. I think you will be able to believe and it will become more clear. All right? Those are, uh, those might be the two obstacles. No, never mind. No, those aren't the two obstacles. I have it outlined differently in my notes. Let's move on to point number three. John chapter 5, verse 44. John chapter 5, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. He says, How can you believe? since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. How can you believe, Jesus says to these Pharisees, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from God. Your point is this. Take your eyes off yourself. Pharisees were all about themselves. How can I get glory? How can I get glory from myself? I want glory from other, other men other people in society. I don't care too much about glory from God. Very self-focused. Very self-focused. If you're a TV show on a TV, you're going to fill up the whole screen. If your eyes are on yourself, nothing can penetrate. Nothing can get through. You're, you fill that whole screen up. It's all full up with you. Keith Green. Love Keith Green. Keith Green has one of the greatest songs ever written alongside Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Credence Clearwater, obviously, and most of the Les Mis soundtrack, all right? I'm just going to be real, man. Oh, gosh, I just love Les Mis. Oh, my gosh. Love that soundtrack. Whoo! I dreamed a dream. Oh, man. 
I kid you not, if you have not ever listened to that song, it is the most beautiful music and lyric song combination. Man. All right. But alongside those is Keith Green. And Keith Green has a song called Make My Life a Prayer. And in that song, he has this great lyric that he repeats. He says, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. So hard to see when my eyes are on me. It's going to be very hard to see God when you're so focused on yourself. And it's hard because we're all naturally focused on ourselves, right? And I've even come to find that even the most selfless acts of me thinking about other people somehow kind of mirror back and they're about me because it makes me feel good about myself or I like how I look while doing this and stuff. Again, those impure, not perfect motives. And it's sad, but it's so hard to see God when it's all about you, when it's all about what you want in life. Right? It's so hard to see God when, when you're just so focused on what you got going on in your life that you're never looking up. And well, what does God want from me? Or is He even real? I'm not really seeking because I don't, you know, I got too many other things going on. I got too many other projects. I got too many other dreams. I'm, I'm grinding right now. I can't, I can't, you know, spend much time on this. I'm all about myself. It can be hard to follow Christ, man. Christ, if you follow Him, He's going to constantly be taking your eyes out for yourself and putting them on other people, other things, on Himself. But as you follow Him, that's where you really get to know Him, right? We always say it takes 20 years to really get to know somebody. And sometimes we're like, well, I want to know God all the way through before I step over the line. Well, that's just not how things work. I mean, it's just not. I mean, has anybody ever experienced that? I don't know. You know? We have to follow God. We have to walk with them. We get changed by them. We get drawn to them. We come into greater intimacy with them as we do things together, as we have like minds, as we uh, work towards the same goals, the same aims. And I guarantee you, God's aims and His goals and what He wants for you and our natural sinful state are very different. And we have to continue to take our eyes off of ourselves. Man, you could easily miss the forest for the trees. You're so focused on this, this, or that, and you don't see the big picture. You don't see the big story, the great big redemptive story we talked about on Monday, Thursday. It can be so easy. I felt this way. Man, I'm grinding. I'm going. I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and A, B, and C. And I'm just going like crazy nuts, you know. And going, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I need to like, whew, I need to like take back and like, I, I found myself the other night. I was going for a walk. Sometimes I go for walks at night, and as Jeremy let me know, I walk really fast because I got so much going on. So it's like, if I'm going to take a walk, I'm going to take a walk real fast because I got to get to the next thing. And I found myself at night, and I was like, I like looked up, like glanced up. I think maybe it was a big moon or something, and I was like, it's been a long time since I looked at the stars. It's been a long time since I've like looked up. It's been down. My head's been down. I've been working, going, going, going. I need to look up. I need to look at something outside of myself. I need to maybe slow down. Right? Do you need to slow down? Do you need to change your lifestyle a little bit? Take your eyes off yourself. Spend a little bit more time relating with God. Putting your eyes on Him. What does He want for you? Praying. Thinking about that. I think it's important. That's an obstacle that everyone has to get it through and uproot. 
I don't know. It's going to be really tough to see the Lord without that, with, while with your eyes on yourself. All right, number four. John chapter 4, verse 48. We're going to rock and roll because we're running a little bit behind. This passage is about a royal official who wants Jesus in order uh, to save his son. His son is sick, and so he's coming to Jesus. Jesus, save my son. And Jesus says this, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. He's saying this sarcastically. Not sarcastically, it's a little bit like, ah, you people, unless you see signs and wonders, you always want signs and wonders and stuff, and unless you see, you'll never believe. He's kind of rebuking them in a sense. There's another passage that I like with it as well. John chapter 7, verse 41 through 43. John chapter 7, 41 through 43. This is different groups of, of people debating on whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. So 41 says this, Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants? Do I have the right one? Come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Your point here is don't get locked into preconceived notions for belief. Don't get locked into preconceived notions for belief. I know in my life I've said I will not believe unless this happens. God, you have to do this in order for me to believe. Right? Have you ever been that way? God, you have to heal this person, or you have to do this thing, and then I'll believe. Right? Signs and wonders. We're kind of following into that passage. Also, the second passage, we can sometimes get to, well, it's supposed to look this way. God's supposed to do it this way. When he speaks, he's supposed to speak like this. I got stuck real for a long time. God was only spoke through an audible voice. So I was constantly listening for an audible voice, not getting it, becoming super frustrated with God, becoming very doubtful that God really existed because I was so focused on hearing an audible voice that I was like, God's not there and God's not real. And it's taken me my entire life until practically less than a year ago where finally my dad's words penetrated into this sometimes, sometimes thick-headedness. All right? It's like, that's not just how he speaks. He speaks through other ways, Grant. He speaks through your thoughts. He can speak through your thoughts. He can speak through your emotions. And yeah, it's not clear and simple and, and a principle that I want, but he speaks through other ways. And so if you get locked into these preconceived notions of, I will only believe if God does this, or this is how it has to happen, you could easily be missing the forest for the trees. You could easily be missing because your expectation is here. You can't see what's going on over here or over here. Does that make sense? You could easily miss him working in a different way. Don't lock God in. He wants, to, he wants room to maneuver. Let him work. Let him speak. My goodness. He speaks through his word. He speaks through this. He speaks through his word. This word is living word. It's living and active. All right? If you ever question whether or not God's spoken, just pick up your Bible and read it. Boom, he's spoken. It's there. Don't lock yourself in. Don't lock yourself in. These people locked themselves in. This is what the Messiah was supposed to do. Right? Even the disciples, we talked about that the last two weeks. The Messiah's not supposed to die. He must not be the Messiah. Messiah's sure, you know, not supposed to do this. He's supposed to be doing this. What? 
right? Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, uh, no, you're not. Peter, get behind me, Satan. Whew, whew. Brutal, right? Let's not get locked into those things. Let's allow God to work. Let's allow him to, to move. Let's read his words so that we can see all the different ways for which he speaks, because he speaks in a number of different ways. And he, can, he spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. I hope you guys all go to the zoo this week and you're like expecting, hey, God could speak to that elephant. Be open, maybe, maybe. I'm not, I'm not going to say no. Who knows? The last point, John chapter 4, verses 50 through 54. We just talked about this. This is the official who wanted his son to be healed. And again, I'm not going to read all of it because of time, but we see in that, that God is extremely gracious. That's your last point. God is extremely gracious. But we are going to read John chapter 20, verse 25 through 29. Probably my favorite passage of this sermon. John chapter 20, verse 25 through 29 says this. This is about doubting Thomas. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. This is after the empty tomb. Jesus has appeared to the disciples. Thomas was not with them. And so they're telling Thomas, hey, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas says this to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, I'm kind of contradicting my last point because I would say Thomas had a super big locked into a preconceived notion for belief. Unless I see you, unless I touch those nail marks and stuff, I will not believe. And yet God is so gracious. Jesus, so gracious to him. So, so gracious to him. Meets him where he's at in his unbelief. And so that's my encouragement. While I don't want you to get locked into preconceived notions, because I think you can very easily, when you're expecting something, it's very easy to see what's happening to the sides. But at the same time, know this. God is so extremely gracious. Man, you could, I hope you can put all of my points into practice. But no, you don't have to be perfect. And no, you don't have to get it perfect. God is so extremely gracious. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is so extremely gracious. He wants to work with you. He knows where you're at. He is so gracious. He wants you to know him. He will work on your behalf to make himself known to you. So rest. Don't get all caught up. Oh, i got to put all these things that Pastor Grant said to do, yada, yada, yada. Yes, put forth effort towards it. I think these are valuable things. I think they're in God's Word. I think they're important to do. And I think especially in our culture, right, these are definitely obstacles or things that we can do better at, right? But at the same time, no, God is so gracious. And so my conclusion... My conclusion is, do your best to remove those obstacles. 
If your eyes are constantly on yourself, if you're constantly thinking about what you want in life, what you want to see happen, what you know you don't have, my dreams, my passions, my desires, boy, I really think it, if not to believe, just good for your character and as a human being to think less about yourself. All right? So it's just all good, no matter what. It's just good to think less about yourself and to care about what other people, what's going on in other people's lives. All right? Another one is, is don't get stuck in those preconceived notions. Don't tell God that I will not believe unless you do this. It's a little bit dog wagging the tail. It's who's telling who uh, what to do. It's who submits to who, right? And yes, God is so gracious and he's constantly serving us and he's constantly working on our behalf, but I think it's never good to say, God, you need to do this. God, you do this or else I will not come. It's never good. It's not, it's not a good one. And again, God is so gracious. So amen, thank you, Jesus. We've all been there. Boy, have I done that. But I just encourage you, if you see that in your heart or in your mind or you've been saying that in prayers, I encourage you, let those go. God can make you believe. I, never, I have never seen the physical form of God, Jesus. I have never heard an audible voice in my life. And I thought for sure I would never believe without those things. And yet I stand here today full of faith, confident of faith, and I believe he is real, and that he has not done any of those things that I once thought. So you'd be surprised, as Thomas, who said, I would not believe unless I saw and touched, and yet Thomas does not touch. Thomas just sees, and yet he says, my Lord, my God. You'd be surprised how God could bring you to faith in him. And it's probably, it is undoubtedly going to be, not undoubtedly going to be different, but it could be very different. You could easily come to faith in him by a different means than you currently think would be possible or would be what would you would need. Take action. Obey God's teaching. You have to obey God's teaching and follow Him. Sometimes we want the whole thing right at the beginning. It's just not how it goes. you got to follow Him. you got to do stuff with Him. you got to keep walking in faith with Him. you got to keep trusting Him. That leads to that, that firm belief, that certainty that we all want. You have to travel a distance with Him. He's constantly walking with you. But that's with all relationships, right? Isn't that with all relationships? Yeah, you have moments of trust, but as you keep going with each other, you trust each other more and more, you love each other more and more, the relationship changes, but you become more entwined, right? That's how all relationships work. And sometimes we're like, no, I want it all right at the beginning. That's just not how things typically work. You've got to travel a distance with Him. You've got to keep obeying Him. You've got to keep walking by faith. You've got to keep following Him. Keep obeying Him. And it becomes more clear and more clear and more clear. And lastly, seek and keep seeking. And you will find it is undoubtable. It is true. Think of the old saying that goes, the kid comes up to the wise old man and says, I want wisdom. Wise old man puts his arm around him, walks him over to a trough of water, and says, you want wisdom? He's like, yeah, I want wisdom. All right. <laughs> Sticks his head under the trough of water. Holds him there. Brings him up. You still want wisdom? Guy's like starting to breathe. Okay, that was weird. Yeah? <laughs> Holds him underwater for another 30 seconds. Now he's gasping for air. He's like, you want wisdom? Uh, I don't know. Now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holds him down. Pulls him up. Now he's gasping for air. And he says, once you seek after wisdom like you're seeking after air, then you will have wisdom. I love that. If you seek and keep seeking and you truly want it, you won't not find Him. 
I'm going to set a bad word. I always get, that's the one bad word I always slip into. But if you half butt it, you half butt it, if you give half effort, you're like, I want to know God, but I don't really want to know God. Thank you. You guys all got the word. Thank you. <laughs> Literally said that in a speech in a freshman year of college. Didn't realize it was a curse word. I thought I just happened to have that word at the end of it. But, oh, naive, naive, dude. Naivety. <laughs> um, but if you want it, if you want it, man, you, you won't be stopped. You won't be stopped. Nothing will stop you. If you kind of want it but kind of don't want it, there's a chance you still will find it. God's gracious. God's good. But there's also a good chance you may not find it because we also have in the, the enemy, Satan. And you also have flesh. And that's very good at leading you astray and becoming very, very, looks very good. So I encourage you to want it and to seek after it and to keep putting these things into practice and you will find, you will see that Jesus is real. You will know, you will believe that he is risen indeed and that you can know him. You know, you, it will be a blessing. My goodness. Amen. If you'll stand with me, we'll close in prayer. Jesus, we're so grateful that you are alive. We're so grateful that you are risen. We're so grateful for your Holy Spirit. We are so grateful for your help. We're so grateful that you care and want to make yourself known to us. God, we want to see. We want to know. We want to believe and to be sure and confident and certain. God, lead us and help us to follow you. Help us to keep taking steps when we don't feel like it, when we're doubt-filled. Help us to keep taking steps towards you. Help us. God, be gracious with us. Reveal yourself to us. God, we must experience you. We need your help. We need to know you. God, get through. Get through all the barriers we put up. Get through our unbelief, God. God, help us. We pray this in your name, God, and we believe and we trust you. You are good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.